Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in Winning Cures Everything. It is the Monday, January 17th edition of the show. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we have got a lot of news to discuss today. Obviously, NFL playoffs going on over the weekend, uh, but you guys know but at this point, we do the NFL show on Wednesday mornings, so we will we will leave it until then, but there were some very entertaining games. Chris, I was highly, highly impressed with Joe Burrow's performance over the weekend. I uh, was not impressed with uh, with Mac Jones, I will say that. <laughs> that wasn't so much a Mac Jones thing, was it? That was... Uh, that was Patriots defense problems. I mean, good. Uh, I mean, I think I think some of those things are correlated. It's real easy just to shit on the Patriots defense, but it's also understanding that they're on the field constantly yeah. because the offense is completely inept. This is true. This is 100% true. Uh, and I, I don't know exactly how you fix that um, other than, you know, you'll need more weapons, you'll need more time in the offense. You know, that, that sometimes we forget these kids are rookies, but – uh, he Mac Jones did not look good. Yeah, at this that. point in time, you're not a rookie. That, that's that True. is said at every level of sports. Once you've made it to the playoffs, you have made it through your first season. And he just there's just a lot of throws he can't make. That's True. just that's just the truth. He threw two interceptions in the red zone in the end zone, and and that's it. This is what I'm, I, I know. You don't want to hear this, but this is what you get from Alabama quarterbacks because. They look so dominating in college because the talent gap difference from them to every – they're so much better than everybody else they play. True. When they get to the NFL and they're not better than everybody else and their receivers aren't better than everybody else and their offensive line aren't better than everybody else and the actual quarterback has to be better, they're not. They're just not. Yeah. So if you want to go play on Sundays and you want to get that second contract – it would behoove you to try. At, I know everyone wants to win a title in college. I understand that. If you want real legends, you you want to be real special. You will go somewhere where you can learn to play through adversity. True, true. Um, give me thoughts on Ben Roethlisberger and uh, and ESPN's or sorry, uh, NBC's. Was it was it NBC that I watched on last night? It was NBC. It was yeah. NBC. Um, the uh, all the mess right with the. Oh. Uh, Hall of Famer and yeah, great no. guy and leader, yep, best guy, <laughs> best guy in the world and leader and all this other stuff. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's there was a there was a time through his through it wasn't his first Super Bowl and it wasn't his last run. There was a time in the middle of these 17, 18 years where he was really, really, really good. Yeah. Outside of that, and he, hang on, he's good at football. Outside of that, he's kind of been a piece of shit most of his life. So that's, you know, I thought you, all right. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand why everybody has to be good at football. And here's the thing. I wouldn't bring that up if they didn't exaggerate it the other way. Why right. can't you just, why can't you just talk about the positive things that this guy's done on the football field? Why do you have to go into the extra superlatives that aren't true? Why I, do you have to do that? Like it, it oh, seemed oh, like it was. He's been overlooked. a great guy since he's gotten married. Oh, that's that's fantastic. It's yeah. really hard to like sexually assault people randomly all the time when you're married, when your wife is there, and you got two little girls now. And and I understand. Yes, he's a different person today than he was then. But don't say anything if you know 
it's just going to sound stupid for the rest yeah. of time. If it's it going to live it, forever on these videos. If it makes it easy for people on the internet to completely blast it, like then don't do it. Just There's say no nothing. reason just to exaggerate. Say, just, just keep it football only. And you, I mean, listen, the dude won a Super Bowl his rookie year, I think. Yeah. Um, it, 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 and and once season, again, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like that team wasn't his. That was a completely loaded football. Just the same way Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl his last season. Yeah. That team wasn't his. He was God awful. He was one of the worst quarterbacks to ever play football that we have a QBR rating. He was ben just good enough to not screw it up, right? Ben Roethlisberger has to be the worst playoff QB we've ever seen in the history of the playoffs. That offense last night at one point in time, late, late in the third quarter when the game is 35 to seven, everything from that point forward is garbage time. And Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers had 45 yards of offense. Yes, it was putrid. When, when they went up seven and nothing off of a fumble return, I thought, Okay, there's no way that this continues. I mean, it, because it was a very boring, you know, first quarter. Well, yeah, first quarter into the second quarter, right? It was at yeah. three and out. Once four the and Chiefs out, started, out, once the Chiefs out. started rolling, the Chiefs finished up 21 unanswered points. Then gets the ball back after the halftime, and then scores first drive of the game. Uh, Mike Tomlin winning the kick, winning the uh, coin toss, and choosing to take the ball, and uh, and I believe it was. Run, run, pass, punt. And I think, well, that didn't work out the way you thought it would, did it, Mike? Nope. Like, he's an outstanding coach. You can't criticize him a whole lot for many things. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not letting Kansas City have the chance to score and score. But if I win the coin toss, we could have the worst. It doesn't matter. We are going to defer because I'm not giving them a chance to score twice in a row. I just can't allow it. It was it was just insane. Like if you're going to if you're going to take the ball, you better have something creative dialed up. You better have something well, ready. And instead, and I wonder like how much of that is Canada, how much of that is you know just. But it's your, it's irrelevant. Team. That's this offense, Gary. Oh yeah. This is the this has now. I don't get into the analytics. I'm not the big numbers guy. This has to be one of the worst offenses by the numbers to ever make the playoffs. Oh yes. Yes, uh, but remember, they almost made it, uh, was it last year when Big Ben was hurt? Or two years ago, whatever well, it was. they did when, make the playoffs, when, and they got their ass whipped. Well, no, when uh, when Duck was, uh, the because they, they missed it at 8-8. Yes. Eight eight. Yeah, so, like, it's, it blows my mind how this team has not had a losing record in forever because that offense is, is putrid. Uh, you well, were, but so many so many of those things are are, 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 you know, different and and complicated because how long? has that division been just garbage like you've had the reason the titan the titans might be the fourth best team third or fourth best team left in the afc okay but but they they got to play the texans and the jags like you get you get four bye weeks for a long time the Bengals and the browns were four bye weeks you split one and one against the ravens and you go through your division losing one game you you can go five and one every year like clockwork yeah that that has a lot to do with when you only need to get to eight wins to not have a losing season and you basically have five of them in the bag that's that you know you're winning three games a year that aren't your shit division yeah no that's a, you're you're right you're 100 right um let's let's go on and get into some of this we're uh i know you got things to do uh this morning so 
Uh, let me start with the rundown first. Go to winningcureseverything.com website. Got everything you need to know about us. Everywhere to subscribe, follow, etc. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a nice five-star review. You can do that at both Apple Podcast and uh, Spotify now. Spotify allows you to leave reviews. So hopefully things are going well over there. We do have uh, quite a few listeners on that Spotify app. I host the BetUS College Football Show. There's a link in the description for that. It comes out every Wednesday. And the show is brought to you by BetUS. It is where the game begins. It's America's premier online sports book. There's a link in the description for you to click. There are plenty of promo codes, promos, and all that good stuff. Go and take advantage of the bonuses. We're in the NFL playoffs. We have got college basketball going on. We got the NBA going on. College football will be here before you know it. The early CFP title odds are out for 2022. So go ahead and take advantage of all of those. And then, of course, Chris, we ain't that far from baseball. We got all kinds of things going on. So the calendar never stops moving. And we know that because of the first thing that I'm going to bring up here. Hawaii coach Todd Graham resigned on Friday night. Late on Friday night. And you want to talk about a, a crazy, crazy story. And we've talked about this before. SFGate.com, San Francisco Gate, uh, put out a story. Which is weird that that San Francisco, like a, a news organization from San Francisco would be reporting on Hawaii athletics, but they got all the details from the players and they were complaining about Todd Graham just telling them outright, hey, I am using this job as a stepping stone. You are not going to screw this up for me. Uh, we are, I'm, I'm using this to prep to move to the NFL. And he, all the players basically said that this guy is a piece of trash he has taken all of the joy away from this game for me. There were seven starters that decided to transfer after the season, and it just continued on and on and on. And Hawaii basically uh, let it be known that, yeah, we understand it sucks, but, like, we're not in the financial position to get rid of him, so, like, we're just going to ride this thing out. You guys can leave if you want to. And it just kept going and kept going, and more stories kept coming out, etc., and Todd Graham finally just decided to resign. I, I think when you can't get anybody to play for you, it makes it really difficult to do your job. If you realize, oh, this turned on me in a very quick way. If I was going to use this as a stepping stone, um, that's not happening. Like, there were all of these different things that, that kind of led to this point. And I, obviously, I think it was a mutual separation. Um, yeah, I, th I think there's some negotiation that went on. Oh, there. yeah, this because is, they, this is not Hawaii was just yeah. not going to pay him his full buyout to fire him. Uh, but no. it's not hey, but like he, I guarantee buyout. you he didn't walk away with nothing either. Right, right. I, but I also don't think that he he got the full thing. I think this was really what was best for everybody. And now we start looking at, okay, now wh what works in Hawaii? They are going through stadium renovations right now. They're going through all The athletic department is... A little bit of a mess because of all the COVID stuff, but, you know, they're not, it, it's it's not awful, right? They they can figure something out, but you need somebody that understands the culture down there. And the, the biggest list of names right now, June Jones, former Hawaii coach, currently out of coaching. Um, I mean, it, why would he step back in? Like it, This is so, it's so weird that everybody, no, we're so we lack so much creativity in the people that cover college sports sometimes and, and, and that talk about it. Like 
we don't know how to think about anything other than what we've already seen. Agreed. Like we work under the assumption that uh, Hawaii's always only had offensive coaches. So we know it's going to be an offensive. Okay. We can't think of anybody who wants to take it over. They're a complete mess. You know, let's, let's, let's look back. Who's been coaches in the past who loved it there. We'll, we'll get them to come back. Like there's like 600 million people, in, you know, in the country, like somebody can find a way to find somebody who wants this job. Right. Like, well, it's so, so part of it is, uh, remember, Hawaii, just like any other school, has boosters, has people that are uh, highly invested into the program, right? Yes. And they did not like going out of that uh, tree, right? They they had what they wanted. Now, Timmy Chang is the other one. He is uh, the wide receivers coach at Colorado State right now. Um, he was a record-setting quarterback at Hawaii. He... He's only 40. He isn't really ready to be a head coach, maybe an offensive coordinator. However, if Timmy Chang is only going to come back to be the like the head coach, then they might be interested in that. Uh, there's UCLA assistant head coach Brian Norwood. He's a former Hawaii player. Uh, Johnny Nansen, who is Arizona's defensive coordinator. Uh, so we we have a Michigan we have a Michigan problem all over again. Yes, like they, on, they only want Hawaii people. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna limit your your coaching staff to that because you had a bad look, just don't don't hire an asshole. Like this is not that complicated. Well, so think, the other well, guy was not one of us. Agree. And look how bad he was. So now we only can. We, you're not talking about Michigan. At least Michigan has a huge <laughs> net to cast out. To get a lot of Michigan guys, right? Yeah. Like, the pool of Hawaii dudes ain't real big. No, 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 no. It's certainly not. Uh, it, it's Why would you do that? Who who yeah. runs a business this way? Who runs anything? Forget a business. Who runs anything that's ever been successful this way? Here's, here's what it sounds like. It sounds like they want somebody to just come back in and reestablish the foundation, right? When Rolo left, they had a pretty good foundation built, which, by the way, why not just bring Rolo back? I was just like, about to say, if you want to be uncreative and, and bring back somebody, just call Rolo. Yeah. I mean, it, because it worked last time. Like, I mean, what are we talking about? Nobody else wants uh, him. And if you are in dire straits, you can get him on the cheap. So, oh, I, he, no, this is, that's a perfect marriage because you know he'd love it too. Oh, yes. You know he'd love to come back. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So that's, I mean, that would be my vote. Uh, but them trying to, to go the old route bring back the people that they know. Uh, you and I both have talked about this many, many times. I don't necessarily agree with that. Hire but, good people. Hire smart people. Hire problem solvers. You don't have to just hire somebody because they used to be there. Yes. Yes. Agreed. We'll move on from there. I want to talk about ACC coaches have unanimously voted against CFP expansion now we talked about this a little bit uh, last week at some, or really over over the course of several months now about why they would be voting against this when you know it would actually be good for them. And David Hale uh, put out a pretty good tweet about it, just going through all the different reasons, and it's nothing to necessarily do with um, it's nothing to do with like them trying to get Notre Dame to join the conference. Like we only want eight. So Notre Dame is forced to, to come in here, et cetera. Um, it's, it's a ton of different things that, that all kind of play in together. And 
and I kind of get it, right? There's a lot of people that are explaining, like, the, these players do not want to play extra games, etc. Uh, here's here's Jim Phillips' comments on playoff expansion. Um, they uh, The ACC is the primary league holding up expansion, but they are not alone. It says, uh, while the ACC is the most steadfast, it's largely shared by others, including the Big Ten. Um, it says, in July, Phillips was preaching the need for this holistic review of all of college football. It's not a new thing. He's not wrong. The landscape has changed a ton. He said it's worth understanding those dynamics before making big changes to it. Um, and then he's got uh, number three, in almost certainly a leverage play, once ACC, Pac-12, Big 12, G5 vote for expansion, what's the motivation for everyone to come to the table on the other issues in college football, let alone to consider what the ACC has to say on those issues? This is basically the ACC's trump card. Uh, then it says people are overly focused on the one issue of expansion, Phillips is essentially saying that if you want dessert, you need to eat your vegetables. Like, how can you how can you get any pudding if you don't eat your meat? Uh, look at the NCAA approaching NIL. They had years. They did nothing, right? Uh, they were just at a coaches' convention in Texas. The overwhelming takeaway, everybody agrees that their problems with opt-outs, transfers, the recruiting calendar, in-season coaching movement, tampering, but nobody agrees on any solutions, and there has to be some kind of a, a ticking clock to change that. So... For Phillips, working with the ACC, there's uh, uh, unanimity like in waiting on expansion to try and get some of this other stuff figured out first. So where I was very much against the ACC and thought, okay, them voting against this uh, is bad for the league because if you don't have Clemson, you're obviously not going to get anybody into the playoff. Is that the end-all, be-all, though? And I don't know that it necessarily is. You know, I think Pitt and Michigan State, et cetera, still had a great season. And I, you and I both agree that there should be there should be playoff expansion, but there are other things that need to happen along with it. And if the ACC wants to use this as their trump card, like, hey, we're not going to vote for anything until we fix all this other crap, I think I can get on board with that. No, what, uh, no, what no, 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 no. No, this is a dope, this is what politicians do, by the way. Jim Phillips, hell of a politician, yeah. should should run. He is he is the same type of asshole that is running Congress right now. It's it's if we can't solve all the problems, we ain't solving any of the problems. All right, that is a bullshit excuse from somebody who doesn't want to do something. Okay. Oh, by the way, for he, anybody that does not know, Jim Phillips, former Northwestern athletic department uh, or athletic director, excuse me. So he comes from Chicago. Uh, very uh, private institution, very small uh, private yeah, small school. Private. The, the, yeah, the yeah. smallest school in, in the Big Ten. Exactly. Highly um, regarded. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's fine. I don't care. Like what he's doing right now is not good for the sport and it's not good for his conference. Okay. So, so, so that, that makes me question why he's doing it because it doesn't make any sense. And the bullshit argument that we don't want to play extra games. Well, guess what? Only Pitt would have played one extra game. If they won, if they won their first round game, they would have played an extra game. That's it. That's the list right there. You're not asking the whole conference to play an extra game. You're not asking all these teams to play an extra game. You're asking one team, Alabama and Georgia, would have played possibly one extra game. That's it. That's the list. And the idea that I'm not fixing anything until we fix all these other things, well, then somebody else just has the luxury of saying, well, I'm not fixing NIL until we fix the transfer portal and uh, expansion. And somebody else is going to say, well, I'm not fixing the transfer portal until we fix NIL and the playoff. 
everybody gets this is what politicians do if you go into the world if you can stomach it for enough and listen to the news and you hear about political news this is what they all do it is a cop-out it is a bullshit excuse everybody is fighting for their their quote-unquote cause and the argument for everyone else to not get on board with that is is well we've got these other things and that's not as important to me and so this is a bullshit thing. It's not as if you can't do more than one thing at one time. If voting for this and getting this passed meant it's one less thing you have to worry about, Mr. Phillips, and now you can start addressing these other things, then that would be spectacular. But you see it as I can't do anything until we do everything that I want. That is that is political bullshit. And I don't know that any other writer or our sports columnist or anybody who talks about this stuff for a living we have a very small niche audience okay tens of people will hear this yes fantastic <laughs> thousands of people people with bigger voices than ours need to be calling this bullshit out they need to say it in a more eloquent and intelligent way than i do because i am a knuckle-dragging neanderthal and i understand that but i'm telling you this is what politicians do to cover the fact that they don't want to do anything or they don't want to pass something. And nine times out of 10, it is for corruption reasons. I want to see bank statements. I want to see money. People are telling this guy, this is not coaches that, that don't want to play an extra game. That is a lie. That is an outright lie because Pitt, if Pitt wins their bowl game, their first round of the playoff game, quote unquote, which would have probably been a home game. Um, well, I don't know who they would have played. They probably wouldn't have been a home game. But anyway, neither here nor there. If they won that game, then they would have gotten one extra game. Yeah. Yeah, one more one. game. One. And it's because you won. If you don't want to play that game, just go lay down. What? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not like they wouldn't have played an extra game if they were playing for a national championship. That's it. Right. That's the problem. No one in college basketball has ever complained that we're playing too many games. Why? Because they all want to win the championship. They want to keep playing. Because as soon as you lose, you go home. And 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 go ask these seniors. All right. I would like to take, I don't know, a random collection of a hundred college players that were major college football players that played junior and senior year a lot of playing time, but never got to play a down of any professional sport in their life. I'd like to poll them two, three, ten years from now from their last time of playing and say, hey, what what would you do to have gotten one more game? Yeah. Unanimously, I bet all of them would have said I'd have knifed a random family member to be oh, yeah. able to get one more game in. Now, that that takes away, like, the – obviously, the difference there being guys that are first, second, maybe even third-round NFL guys that just don't want to risk getting hurt – but, no, but they're all wanting to play play for championship games. Right. Nobody for 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 any playoff team has ever set out. Exactly. Not one team at four games. It, it, so that 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 just that point is moot. The majority of these guys are going to play the same amount of two teams. Two teams will end up playing one more game at the end of this. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're 100 percent right. The most that anybody can play uh, is what 17. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, and that's that's uh, if a lower seed makes the championship game. Exactly, and you're you're talking about somebody that didn't win their conference title game. That's, that's it. Right. So, 
Yeah, it's a it's a strange situation, but uh, but the ACC, of course, is the one that everybody's pointing at right now, and we'll see how this goes. I mean, we've still got a little bit of time, but there's not much left. Uh, if if you know that you're going to change in 2026, why not just go on and change it in you know 2024? Why not go on and get this thing done so that we can figure? Well, it I out understand. Right? Yeah. The only reason I would not do it early is is if that means the whole thing's married to ESPN. Like yeah, that no, no, no. I get. For but sure. then we, say we've that. About that. Yeah. But then talk about that. Don't don't give me a bullshit lie when you say unanimously all what twelve teams in the big big whatever uh, 14, the ACC the fourteen ACC. teams in the ACC all of them unanimously say they don't want to do it because the extra game like a like I said two or three of them at most would ever play one extra game and that's it. Oh yeah, and yeah. it would be for a playoff. It, you know so. That that's that's a lie. That that is just an outright lie. Yeah, yeah. I can see. Uh, I can see what you're talking about. Uh, let's talk about Michigan President Mark Schlissel right quick. Hopefully, I said that right. Mark Schlissel was fired for having an affair with a subordinate at the University of Michigan. Um, all of this stuff that came out. Yeah. Uh, so basically. He was sending emails to a subordinate discussing how much uh, he wanted to be with her and this and that. And obviously, she was like reciprocating. It was This was all uh, totally uh, consensual between the two. However, this was a subordinate, and they were doing it through the Michigan email system, etc. Uh, I'm going to tie this back into Jim Harbaugh do you think what do you think the relationship is or was like between the school president and Jim Harbaugh? Do you think that there was anything there, and maybe that's why Harbaugh was discussing or or letting it be known that he would be interested in going back to the NFL? Or do you think these two things are maybe just not tied together whatsoever? I don't think they have anything to do with each other. That's a, I I wondered about that. Um, now I talked myself off of it, but you never know if if these things can still be tied in somewhere, which is why I wanted to ask you your thoughts on it. Um, it it's a, a strange situation because Michigan has kind of always been a little bit holier than thou, and with this coming out, it was, you know, a, basically an inappropriate relationship with the university employee. How do people continue? Like, we saw this with Hugh Freeze. Like, why are you doing this through company stuff like what are we talking like, about like nobody has a gmail account like, jesus <laughs> i don't know I, I don't like, get I don't, it. like the whole the whole like the school sees themselves as more holier than thou. yeah like okay that's that's overblown these are people these are people yeah. these, these are these are two folks that are no different than you and i or anybody oh, yeah. else okay and and if these two folks found love and they want to leave their current families for each other be my guest you just can't do this shit at work like yeah. like like there, there's a hierarchy here and if i'm your boss or you're my boss then then it is inappropriate because it would cause conflicts at work okay that's that's it that's the list you can't do those things but these people didn't do anything wrong or bad or you know immoral to the extent of outside of the only only person that this president owes an apology to is if he's married his current wife, unless he's wanting to leave her, then he doesn't know her anything, but probably child support and alimony. Um, and then that's it. Like, do whatever. Find, find happiness in this world. Okay? 
That's all. Doesn't matter. I don't see this as a scandal. Like we're way past the days where, you know, you can clutch your pearls because two people are having a consensual relationship. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, now if we find out that this lady that, that he was seeing, you know, made $28,000 a year and somehow got like, you know, a $60,000 car yeah, that the university was paying yeah. for, like now you're using taxpayer money to support your girlfriend. And we're not down with that. Like that's when we get a problem. But if you make a lot of money and you want to buy her a car, then I don't give a Have shit. Do what you yeah. want, whatever you want. So cheers to you. It's, it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't see these things as a scandal. I don't, I don't see these things, you know, he just didn't get to have this job anymore. That's it. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll get a job somewhere else. He'll do something else. That's fine. Uh, this has absolutely zero effect on Jim Harbaugh or the football team. I, I think you are correct there. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Iowa has signed Kirk Ferentz to a new deal through 2029. He's making $7 million a year, and almost immediately, once this thing was done, uh, Ferentz decided to basically disband the, uh, what was it called, the Football Diversity Advisory Committee right after they let it be known publicly that they suggested that Ferentz and uh, the AD, Gary Barta, uh, both resigned from their jobs because of all the issues that went on like before the COVID pandemic leading up to it, et cetera. Um, they basically, that's, that's, that's not what, that's not what happened. You're using the word they incorrectly. I right, go ahead. One person on that committee. Did he was that. the head of the committee though, right? Oh, okay. Yes. But all yep. the other people that have been involved in the committee have seemingly come out and said, we didn't agree with that. We didn't want that. And they all agreed with disbanding the committee as well. This was not a Kurt Ferentz rule by an iron fist thing. Okay. All right. So then I, let's, I let's, be real, let's be real careful when we're saying that the committee wanted him fired and he dismans the committee. He doesn't have that kind of power or authority. All right. Right. One person who happened to be the head of the committee wanted him gone. Okay. Gotcha. And everybody else wanted him to stay. And they all agreed outside of him to disband the committee is the way I read the article is the way I read. Okay, so I, I read, I read no, I'm two an different idiot. articles. I, and I don't read very well. Yeah. So I could have misinterpreted this, but I believe one person wanted to basically take control of the athletic department. That would make sense. It, it was a former football player. Um, and I forget his name, but that's, I, I had read two articles about it over the weekend and was like, man, this seems really fishy. Uh, but you know, Ferentz, Obviously, uh, kind of kind of runs the show, right? And and will continue to do so. But he had put together this uh, this advisory board 
to help them get through a rough patch where, you know, he had to fire his longtime strength and conditioning coach over. Uh, oh, no, they had problems. Yeah, and they needed problems. to address these problems. That yeah. didn't, I, what I'm saying does not absolve any of that. They had legitimate issues that needed to get fixed. But I think other people on this committee saw this as a power play and decided we're not okay with that. We're going to shut this down. We think we have, as a school, addressed many of these things. We're going to continue to address these things, but we don't need this committee to do so because now this committee has turned into something where it is now just a power struggle, and that's not good for the school. I don't. I'm not. I'm telling you what I think. The rest of the what I got from what we read, the rest of the the, the people on the committee felt. I I like this different uh, idea here because. It's completely different from from what I was reading into it initially, right? But obviously, you get something like this that becomes political, and there's going to be uh, dissenting sides on both sides, right? You 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 get basically this one story of uh, he is a dictator, he runs that whole athletic department, etc., and then you have the other stories that come out that obviously so, I did not see. Over so this is this is a tweet that I saw after after all that from Jordan Lomax, who I think was on the committee. Instead of being so quick to write an article, this is him shitting on the people who wrote the first article. Instead of, being, instead of being so quick to write an article, you guys should have reached out to other committee members for their thoughts. This is one-sided article from David Porter's opinion, who's David Porter's the guy that, that ran the committee and wanted the one, which I and others disagreed with. David Porter was trying to take control, I think, of the athletic department. And Lomax was one of the people on the committee who said, I'm this is not what happened. This is not at all what is going on. And 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 we're we're ending this. Okay. Okay. It makes sense. Yeah, so, let's, so that's let's, how I that's how I read that. So now, I could misinterpret that easily. No, no, no. That that makes absolutely perfect sense. Absolutely because obviously you've got a group of people there that are supposed to have varying opinions, right? You're supposed to all get together and come up with what is best for the school. And I don't know yes. that uh, them firing Ferentz and Gary Barta was going to be best for the school at this point. Um, let's get back to the contract extension. Through 2029? I mean, what are we talking? And, and $7 million a year? Like, he was already getting paid. Well, the $7 million doesn't bother me Yeah, that's, that's like nothing that crazy. Uh, it, it, it's a little crazy when you look at it compared to Chip Kelly's, and we'll talk about that in just a second. A one-year coach at Michigan State just got more than this. That's that's true. That's obviously like everybody thinks he had other suitors as well. Uh, but, so but it's, it's irrelevant. It's, market, it's irrelevant, right? It's just he, it's the market he, price. He got more. He's making more than this in the same conference, and he's had one successful season. True. True. Two second-year um, coach. I shouldn't say one-year coach. Twenty. Basically, this is just saying whenever Ferentz decides to hang it up, he's he's still going to be here. Like we are not going to force him out. Right. That's right. So that I do find it interesting that they extended him all the way through, you know, another another seven years. Um, but man, like <laughs> that's that's a Gus Malzahn deal from a few years ago that we talked about. Oh my gosh, can you believe they they guaranteed this man this much money? And obviously there well, is a the, buyout here, but like there's a big difference between him and Gus. He's been there for for his entire life. Yeah, like, it, what is it, 22, 23 seasons? I mean, it's been Yeah, like, I mean, forever. come on. Yeah. This is not this is not Gus Malzahn. No, 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 but what I'm I'm not I'm not comparing him to Gus Malzahn, I'm comparing the contracts, right? Because Gus Malzahn's contract that everybody was up in arms about was a fully guaranteed 7-year, 49 million dollar contract. 7 million dollars per year, and everybody thought, 
what in the world? This is insane. Oh, that's a new world, though, Gary. But it's a whole brand look new at, world. Look at the Big Ten. Oh, the yeah. Big Ten. You're talking about an eight-year deal and a 10-year deal at Penn State, Michigan State. Yeah. All right? This yeah. is what – this is what – I'm going to tell you. This is why – this is why Mississippi is going to be real hard to hire top-tier coaches because we still have one of those antiquated laws that says we can only sign a state employee the maximum contract you can get is four years. Yes. Okay? Now, the game of college sports has changed when you are starting to give guys that have, A, you're you're talking about Penn State that's had two seasons where they've had losing seasons back-to-back that would have gotten people fired at other places. They just gave that guy a 10-year deal, okay? Four years at Mississippi, ain't going to cut it. Ain't going to cut no. These guys are going to get statched up, and they're going to roll quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. You're 100% right. Uh, UCLA. UCLA signs Chip Kelly through 2025, making $4.7 million per year. And it's almost exactly what you and I talked about when we when we said on the Friday show, like, they got to come up with something pretty quick because coaches don't go into the last year of their contract, especially with no buyout, right? Uh, you cannot get recruiting done. You, you can't really get transfers in, et cetera, because they don't know what's going to happen. Like, he could have literally been fired for $0. There was no buyout at all. So if, if UCLA had decided this week, hey, you know what, like, this past year was cool, but we don't know that there's really been a lot of progress. So, like, we're going to let you go, and, and we're going to just go our separate ways. They could have done that. Uh, it would have made very little sense unless they had a home run hire, you know, ready to roll. But they no, there was not. zero chance that I thought they were going to get some kind of deal done. And I think this oh, yeah. is a fair deal. Based, based on what he's produced and what he's done, this team has improved, but they're still not where UCLA wants to be. UCLA wants to be. And so, yeah, you give him a deal. He's making decent money. And, and you know, that's it. This, you know, you got a, a, a fair to middling deal because you've been a fair to middling team. Yes, yes. I, I don't know uh, what the future holds from there. Uh, but this is not something that is, you know, where they cannot get out of it. And it's not something where Chip Kelly can't get out of it if he gets a better offer on the table going forward. Right now, basically, they are locked up, and it gives him a little bit of a security blanket to try and get things done to improve the team. And I think it's a good move on both sides. On both sides. Uh, real quick, before we get into an SEC conference rewind to close out the day, uh, impact transfers. USC finally landed Mario Williams. That had been rumored for a long, long time. The thing that was surprising about it was, and, and it wasn't surprising that Mario Williams went with Lincoln Riley to USC. What was surprising is it was widely known that Mario Williams was going to sign wherever Caleb Williams signs. Or at least that's what everybody had been told, anybody that was close to Mario Williams. That's the reason why he left Oklahoma is he wanted Caleb Williams to be his quarterback. And he announced before Caleb did. So, obviously, we think that Caleb Williams is going to USC, but you and I have talked multiple times on the show about different options and whatnot, and Caleb's dad is basically saying, look, we're going to fill this thing out. We're going to make sure that we got the right fit before we use up our one-time transfer. Because if he, if he goes somewhere and he doesn't like it, he would have to sit out another season. So he wants to go where he will be best developed, etc. Uh, does it surprise you that, that Mario Williams just went ahead and, and went over to USC? Like, does he, I, I guess he well, trusts Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Riley enough. Like, it tells, well, yeah, he's a wide receiver. Jesus, you know, come on, man. Like, yeah. this is not, like, he's a he's a good player. And he could be a great player. Yeah. 
but he's a wide receiver at the end of the day. Um, what this tells me is, is there's Caleb Williams might end up at USC, but I've said this all along. If, if he was going to go there, he should have already gone. Every second, every day that goes by is a bad day for USC. Yes. And they better be planning for quarterback. Yes, you've got that right. You have got that right. Because um, there's a reason he's taking this long, okay? Oh, yeah. Nobody does this just because it's fun. No, right? no, no. He's, Nobody. he's doing the process. He is that means he's sure. look. That means he is shopping around. So... Have uh, we, we lost the video. Stop. I don't know what happened. I know. It does. <laughs> I, I, almost every time we do this damn show, the at whenever some point whenever time, you're on Zoom, it, it does it yeah. every now and then. Yeah. It's strange. Um all right, so so let me bring this up. Uh USC quarterback Jackson Dart was posting pictures with Lane Kiffin down in Oxford in the snow on Sunday. Uh found that very interesting. But this would be like it Ole Miss is looking for a quarterback. Luke Altmaier yep. was was okay in the uh in the sugar bowl against Baylor. No, they're but, looking for a quarterback. But they're looking for a quarterback, obviously. And, I th- I, man, we only saw a little bit of Jackson Dart. This was one of those kids in the recruiting cycle uh, in 2020 and 2021, whatever, that you didn't get a whole lot of film on him because of, you know, COVID-shortened high school season, you know, et cetera. You didn't get to see what he was fully capable of. And there were people that talked about him, you know, as, eh, we, we need to see him prove it. But there were also people that said this kid has every tool you could possibly need to be a big-time quarterback. He went ahead over to USC, and now obviously he is he is in the transfer portal. He is doing his thing. I think he'd be fantastic with Lane Kiffin. Like Kiffin and and Ole Miss could do significantly worse than getting Jackson Dart to come all the way down to Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, he he could be great down there. I would imagine that this thing gets done if he's posting pictures with Kiffin. I, I he he's not doing it with other coaches. Like he's he's supposed. Did you see the picture that he posted? No. It's like them in front of uh what was it uh it's like some high end car and they both like got their hoods on like looking down at the ground like it 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 was a photo shoot. Oh no, it, hang on. I did see it because later in the car they've swapped hoodies. <laughs> I do I do remember that. I had yeah. a Mississippi State friend send me that and they were like <laughs> they're like now now Lane's doing jersey swaps with kids he's trying to recruit. Oh, yeah. And Lane Lane breaks his Porsche out all the time because he had the Porsche out for another kid that he was trying to recruit. I don't remember when this was. Uh, it was before the first signing day. Um and so, you know, I guess you know, Lane has a Porsche and and he, you know, uses it to try to get kids. He lets them drive it around town and whatever. Okay, that's let's fine. see. Lane's a good recruiter, and, oh, and yeah. Lane's a really good coach. And Dart would be would be fun and exciting in Oxford. Let's see. Uh, there we go. It's an Aston Martin. I thought so, he had a Porsche. Uh, he might have one of those too. But <laughs> well, now there's a ch- there's a chance he's getting loaner vehicles for these you know for these recruiting trips. Yeah. Oh, entirely. He's just possible. finding out, he's finding out what these kids are interested in, and and you know whatever. Yeah, it's uh it's interesting. Very interesting. And then uh, I wanted to bring up Arkansas because Arkansas landed LSU cornerback Dwight McLaughlin, um, mm-hmm. who was a starter this year and, and was really, really good. They have also gotten uh, linebacker Drew Sanders, a former five-star recruit from Alabama. So Sanders entered the transfer portal uh, after the national championship game. Sanders missed a big portion of the year injured, but, I mean, he, he was a starter uh, early on in the season. Uh, kid can play, absolutely play. On top of that, early in the cycle, in the transfer portal cycle, 
They got four-star freshman defensive lineman Landon Jackson, defensive lineman from uh, LSU, and Oklahoma wide receiver Jaden Hazelwood, who was a former top-five recruit, had 39 catches this year at Oklahoma, but obviously uh, quarterback issues there uh, made it a little... It, it was a full wide receiver room at Oklahoma. I will say that. Arkansas was not just a flash in the pan this year. Like no, Arkansas, I don't think so. They, they are rolling in the transfer yeah. portal and, and recruiting for this season and for next season has picked up so long as they keep those coordinators there like they are going to be a force to be reckoned with man like this was uh, this was not just some you know like i said flash in the pan nine and four season where everything went right and when they lose their uh their leaders they're not going to be good they are building man like this is going to be a scary entity going forward you uh, yeah, you Ar- kinda- i mean Ar- arkansas and lsu swapped Swap some DBs around. We took two of their starters, yep. and they took one of ours. Um, and that's that's you know I, that's just what the transfer portal is going to bring. Yep. Um, you know, it's just it it is. And and I I've had this conversation with you know one of my best friends who's a big Arkansas fan over the weekend. I just let him know because he was you know he was furious when, when the two LSU guys came, and and uh, our two guys left for, for LSU, and I, and I just told him I said look you know LSU lost our best DB to Alabama. And I yep. said, my first reaction is pissed off. And then my second reaction is, is I, I've been fighting for this. And and I think it's right that they have the right to do so. So yes. if it's right, it's got to be right when it hurts. And, you know, that door has to swing both ways. That's yes. just the only grown-up way to see it. We are grown-ups, and we should be able to see nuance and, and, and understanding and reasoning. Yeah. If kids do not want to be where they are, yep. they should have the ability to leave. And and I like the the one time rule it, because it, you don't want them going, you know. At, you, you gotta you gotta set roots down at some point and be able to yeah. deal with adversity, right? That's right. So so one time you can do it and you don't have to sit out. If you do it again, as we saw, like with Jake Hayner and and several other guys, uh, after you do it that next time, you are gonna have to sit out a season, like that, right. which is the way that it's always been, et cetera. So. Uh, let's move on. Let's go on and knock out this SEC Rewind. Uh, I, I want to do one of these for each conference. I think this will be a lot of fun. Basically go over the best games, the best players, who exceeded expectations, who underachieved, et cetera, and then some of the coaching changes. Uh, best games. I've got a list down. You uh, Do you have a list, or do you want me to uh, just kind of roll through mine? Oh, for the best games? Yeah. Like of the of the Of the season? SEC season, yeah. Um, I mean, no, I've got a, I've got a couple that I know off the top of my head. I, you know, go on and tell me we what's, what's go on and tell me off your head, and uh, and then I will mark them off of my list right quick. Uh, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Oxford. Yes. So I had that. Uh, I put that as number eight. Uh, really, it should have been higher, but it, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I think I'm looking at this more as like memorable games. Um, and that one was a lot of fun. It was on. It was an amazing time. game. I can't. Yeah. I, I mean, I literally just pulled that out of my ass, but that's. Incredible I think game. that's the be- I think that was the best game of the season in the SEC. Yes. I really do. Yes, um, it was super competitive. It was super back and forth. It was big play after big play. You've got a kid that grew up 15 minutes away from Ole Miss football stadium playing quarterback for Arkansas. It just the storylines, the big plays after big plays. It came down to a, 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 a two point conversion to to end it. I mean, I just I loved everything about it. It was just a perfect, perfect. Oxford Day. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, Texas A&M 41, Alabama 38. I had as number one um, because it, it, the most people watch that. The most people seem to remember that one. Uh, the bad thing for the Ole Miss-Arkansas game was 
there were so many other people that were watching Red River at the exact same time because Red River was bananas. But you're, t- but hang on, now that's not what we're talking about. Right, Best right, right. game. It's okay. So so A and M Alabama was up there. So mainly, it, I'm just not, I, maybe I shouldn't even just put rankings on here. Um, but we'll talk about some of these. Uh, Alabama Auburn in four overtimes was. Uh, it wasn't a well played game. But it that was just close game and best game ain't the same thing. That wasn't a good game at, for anything at all. The uh, Georgia Clemson game to start the season that started it off for Georgia. That was a that was an interesting game. Um, neither offense could do anything against the other defense. Uh, we it was J T Daniels' team at that point, and Georgia completely shifted since then. But you saw early on the signs that this defense is going to be absurd. And they were all season, hence why they won the national championship. Uh, I wrote down Arkansas 40, Texas 21. Uh, that was Arkansas's coming out party, right? Like, it was, it was, yeah, I think a little bit shocking that they were able to dismantle Texas in the way that they did. And it let everybody know that Arkansas was going to be really, really good. Um, and partly that, that Texas yeah, was not going to be great this season. But it wasn't so much that they weren't going to be great because, oh, they lost to Arkansas. Like, Arkansas was good. Like, well, it, the like Arkansas we A&M game was amazing. And yep. then the other game that comes to my mind immediately is uh, Tennessee-Kentucky. Tennessee-Kentucky I've got on here as well. Um, I've got, let's see, Ole Miss 31, Tennessee 26. Of course, everybody throwing everything on the field, et cetera. Yep. Uh, but that was an incredibly interesting game, a fun game. Um, seeing Matt Corral... Just it, it, Ole Miss, I almost – I don't know what to really make of that game because Ole Miss's offense couldn't really get going, but their defense played so well, and Tennessee couldn't get anything going either. But it was – the chess match between those two was awesome. So I loved that one. Uh, LSU 49, Florida 42. Shocker, right? That one was a lot of fun to watch because – Yeah, it's probably the most shocking outcome of the season. LSU well, no, could do, no. South South Carolina, Florida would have been the most shocking. Yeah, I've got South season. Carolina, Florida all the way down at the bottom because that was a complete ass drubbing. Yeah, that was a just <laughs> what, 40, 40 to fifteen, something like that. Just a complete disaster of a football game. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. But LSU, Florida, LSU's offense had been able to do basically nothing yep. all season, and and they come out, and that that was kind of the beginning of the end for Dan Mullen. Was man, you. You have lost to these dudes two times in a row when they've got very little to play for. Like, right. what is because LSU was coming off of being beaten at Kentucky by three touchdowns. Like, I mean, it was just insane. Uh, Florida was like a two touchdown favorite in that game. Alabama yes. thirty one, Florida twenty nine. That was inter- that that lets you know immediately this is not the same Alabama team that you are used to watching. Um, but also like. How different is this season for Florida if they get that thing done? Right? It kind of this is going back into the multiverse kind of thing, right? Like yeah. what what changes? What butterfly effect goes in there uh if Florida is able to hit that two-point conversion and then win in overtime? You got to you got to think Florida wins another game that they like they don't lose to South Carolina if they beat Alabama because some weird juju happens, right? Or they don't lose to LSU because, you know, just something different happens in the guys, you know, a confidence or or a swagger or something of that nature. Yeah. Um I mean the the Kentucky Florida game which was 
gross and disgusting to watch. It was a 2013 win for Kentucky, but at, they had a special teams touchdown. Kentucky's offense could do nothing against Florida's defense, but Florida's offense kept giving them the ball and just, oh, it was a mess, absolute mess. But um, and You then, talk about the butterfly effect, A&M Alabama, think about if that game is two weeks earlier. The two weeks before that game, A&M lost to Arkansas and to Mississippi State. Back to back. If they beat if they beat Bama and then play Arkansas and Mississippi State, I guarantee you they win one of those two games, if not both of them. Agreed. Because Agreed. this is what confidence does. This is what because after they beat Bama, they go on a run. Oh yeah, and they and they're not going on a run, a little run. They go on a run and they're killing everybody. Yes. Yeah, uh, they got to they got to Ole Miss and they fell fell apart against yeah. Ole Miss. Yeah, lost that one and then lost to LSU to end the season. That's why they ended up eight and four. But this was a team that uh, that had two losses. That if they could have gotten Alabama beat somewhere else, any of these other games that were close, Arkansas, LSU, Auburn, whatever, A uh, and M had they won out would have gone to the SEC championship game. If they find a way to beat Georgia, that's your first two loss team in the college football playoff in the four team format. So. Uh, and then the last one that I wrote down was Auburn 24 and LSU 19. That was like the Bonex coming out party. That was the, for all intents and purposes, the end of the Ed Orgeron era at LSU. Uh, that was a pretty, pretty big game. Um, uh, best players. So I, I wrote down several here, and and I'll see if, I'll, I'll get your opinion on these. How's that? So. Nicobe Dean and Jordan Davis, linebacker and defensive lineman from Georgia. I went ahead and, and put them together. Uh, because you could take basically Georgia's entire roster, really, and put it put it up there for best players in the SEC. But those are the two that I think stood out. Those were the two that I feel like meant the most to their national championship run. Like, those two are freaks, absolute freaks. Uh, for Alabama, uh, there's a trifecta there. Bryce Young, uh, Jameson Williams, and uh, Will Anderson. Those three, I think, were the, the three biggest names, the ones that meant the most to Alabama's run. Uh, without any one of those pieces, this whole thing falls apart. Just completely falls apart. Uh, Arkansas. Traylon Burks, the wide receiver. I think he was the most important player for Arkansas this season. Obviously, the defense uh, stood up at certain times when they had to. K.J. Jefferson was great. Uh, Burks was just the guy. When you needed a big play, he was the dude. You uh, you kind of feel the same on that one? Yeah, no, I think, I think he's got a chance to be the best receiver in this draft class too oh most certainly uh for kentucky i think it is very fitting that the guy that i wrote down is darian Kennard, the offensive tackle he was incredible this it has been his entire career there he's going to be a first round draft pick this year um but that's that's how kentucky gets these things done man that's how they win is they are able to dominate at the line of scrimmage in, in a yeah, way but they've, that, they've got they've got uh, a couple of defensive guys that that oh, yeah. really really stood up and and had had unbelievable seasons too. Oh, so. most certainly, most certainly. Um, for Missouri, Missouri ended up going to a bowl game. Like it surprised everybody, and we'll talk about it, underachieved, overachieved, whatever. Um, Tyler Beatty, the running back. I don't think anybody expected anything out of out of Missouri. And no, the defense couldn't stop the run, et cetera. And they had issues at quarterback with Connor Bazelak, and then they ended up going up with uh, with a couple other guys. Uh, throughout the season when he got injured, but Tyler Beatty was consistent week in, week out, and had massive, massive games when a lot of people did not believe that he would. Um, Auburn, Roger McCreary, the cornerback. Now, we could have put Bo Nix on here, I think, but, you know, Nix got hurt, team fell apart, etc., but that defense was still lights out, and it had to do with my, Roger McCreary. I think 
I think he might be the best cornerback in the SEC this year. McCreary oh, was awesome, man. Like he was, yeah, like, yeah. He, he I, I might, was, I might give you that. I he was consistently put. He was on the really, best really good. Yeah, I was trying to think of some other guys that that we're not thinking of, but he was really, really good. He's up yeah. there. Uh, Matt Corral, quarterback at Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss does not go ten and two without Matt Corral. Like uh, Ole Miss doesn't make a bowl game without yeah. Matt Corral. I really yeah. believe. I really believe that Matt's that good. He he might be the MVP of the league. Yeah, I think year. he's the best player in the SEC. I, I, and I've got Mississippi State friends that give me so much shit, and they think that I'm blowing that guy, and, and I'm over. Because they only want to look at numbers. I've watched these football games, okay? And the reason his numbers sucked in a lot of those games is because the rest of the team sucks, yes. okay? Yes. And they're just not – they're not super talented anywhere, all right? Matt Corral pulled them out of everything they got. Oh, yeah. That, uh, when he needed to run, was, he could run. When he needed to throw, he could throw. He always made something happen, and and he did it by himself a lot. Yeah. No, he became a, a fantastic decision maker, right? Like, that's that's yeah. the biggest thing is when he was a freshman, uh, kind of a hothead, had had some issues. That, I mean, didn't even start. Like, he wasn't even, wasn't even playing. And once Lane Kiffin got there last season, uh, completely changed. Like, he developed this kid. It just ridiculously developed. Uh, Texas A&M, DeMarvin Leal, the defensive lineman. I think, I think that's the way that you go on this. I mean, obviously uh, they got Spiller to too. Spit, yeah, Spiller was great. Uh, um, Spiller, Spiller carried that team through some of those rough, rough, tight games where just Calzano just couldn't get it done. Yeah, no, the offense young, had major young and inexperienced, and and Spiller was all they had. But he he did a lot with very little. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. For Mississippi State, now we can say Will Rogers. We can come up with somebody on defense. Uh, I put Charles Cross on here, the offensive tackle. Uh, I, I, now that I'm looking at it, like Cross is great. Obviously, he's going to be a first round NFL draft pick, but uh, but maybe it should have been Will Rogers. Like it's it, it's got to be it's got to be Will. Yeah. It's just got to be that that he's, that team doesn't do anything if Will Rogers is not good. Like no, and they, well, when Will Rogers wasn't good, they did nothing. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I mean, you could see it. When when he had great performances, they put up ungodly numbers. When he didn't, they were awful. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, and then finally, last when Tennessee wide receiver Velas Jones Jr. Uh, he was a USC transfer, uh, but this kid did everything: uh, kick returns. You know, it caught a ton of passes this year. Uh, Hendon Hooker, it is likely the uh, the most important player for them. Uh, but Velas Jones, I thought was was fantastic this year. Uh, and we don't want this to just be like all the best quarterbacks in the league, right? Uh, so I, I thought Velas Jones was was awesome. There were other guys for Tennessee as well. They did a really good job of of spreading the ball out. Um, let's uh, let's talk about who exceeded uh, exceeded expectations, met expectations, and who underachieved. Exceeded expectations. I've got Ole Miss going ten and two. Well, ten and three if you got the uh, the Sugar Bowl. Arkansas got to nine wins, nine and four. Kentucky. Another ten win season, two in the last four years. Tennessee at seven and six exceeded expectations. You agree with that? Uh, I'll agree with that. And so, a, a bowl game. Nah, aside, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. No, I'm not going to give them that because I think I think that was my expectation for them, or or maybe even more. Interesting. Uh, with, with what they lost after last year, with all the stuff that went on with Jeremy Pruitt, them making a bowl game, I thought was exceeding expectations. 
Uh, you might you might be right, but my expectations were higher than everybody else's. I thought this team could be good, and I know Josh Heupel's a good coach. I know a yeah. lot of people else didn't think that. I do. Yeah. So yeah, it makes sense. Uh, South Carolina seven and six also put exceeding expectations. Absolutely, yeah. exceeding expectations. Yeah, Shane Beamer uh, has has established a culture already in Columbia, so that is you know that makes sense uh, as far as teams that met expectations. Georgia. Obviously, they met their expect. I don't think they exceeded expectations. They were a national title contender. Uh, just because you win a national title does not mean that you exceed the expectation. Alabama thirteen and two met expectations. Um, you know, everybody knew there'd be a little bit of a drop off going forward this year. Uh, you could say they exceeded by getting to the national title game. I no, this team met expectations. I mean, just bottom line. Uh, Mississippi State seven and six. They lost the bowl game, but they went seven and five. Uh, they they exceeded their win total for the year, but this is about what we expected from this team. Six and six, seven and five, somewhere around there. You know, you expect the bump in year two of Mike Leach. So you uh, you agree with that? Uh, I think so. All right, uh, and then met expectations. Last one, Missouri, six and seven. I I I think getting to a bowl game was was what everybody kind of expected, right? Like it, it, there was a chance they could have gone five and seven, they could have gone seven and five, and they ended up six and six. They lost their bowl game, but like six and six, getting to a bowl is is about what we expected out of Missouri this year. Uh, as far as teams that underachieved, we'll go on and put Vandy on here at two and ten. Um, although maybe that was their expectation to begin with, we didn't expect much out of them. Auburn six and seven, that was underachieved. Now that could have been completely different had Bonex gotten hurt or not gotten hurt, right? Yeah. Uh, LSU six and seven that is underachieving at LSU for sure. Uh, Texas A and M eight and four, that's underachieving. Like, yeah, but so if you're giving Auburn some kind of weird ass pass, you're not going to give A uh, and M a pass for losing their starting quarterback week two. Like they've yeah. got to play the entire season with a backup that they weren't expecting to play through the SEC team. I, I uh, think the calendar and he's not really good. So so. Normally, yes, normally I would have put them at like met expectations, but when when you get through the bad part and you lose to Arkansas, you lose to Mississippi State, like that's okay because you beat Alabama and then you go on this run, right? But then you get caught you lose by Ole Miss, Ole Miss to LSU. and you lose to LSU. I think that's I think that's below what their expectations were coming into this season. I mean, they were. They were ranked. In I the just top know. Five or I six. just like. I understand that. I understand that. But I'm telling you, if you tell me your your starting quarterback goes down week two in the middle of a game and, and, and against Colorado, and you're going to play the rest of the, the year with with Matt Calzada, and you tell me they get to eight wins, I think everybody at AM takes that. Probably so. Maybe that should be a meet expectations. That's, that's the dif- so. That's the difference. Is is what do you think of Calzada? And what do you think people thought of him before the season started? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, it depends on the definition of expectations. Is the expectations before the season or in the middle of the season, right? Like, Well, they got to change they gotta as, change at some as something. When something like that happens, if Matt Corral gets hit by a bus, like the expectation for Ole Miss has to change. Yes. They can't stay the same. That would, be, that would be irrelevant. That wouldn't make sense. If Nick Saban had a stroke on the middle of the sideline in week one, the expectation for Alabama has to change. Yeah. No, you're, you're not wrong about that. Uh, the so, last... like, you you just can't say, well, we had them winning the national title, and they didn't. So, they didn't meet the expectations. Yeah. 
Yeah, that happened because something major happened. Something catastrophic happened. True, true. Uh, the last one that I've got for underachieved was Florida. Six and oh, seven. Yeah. Uh, Dan Mullen obviously loses his job. Uh, that that place, I mean, I, I still cannot get over how quickly that thing unraveled. I mean, Gainesville was just a disaster this year. Good Lord. And then finally, we got uh, we got two coaching changes to get through. Uh, LSU obviously parted ways with Ed Orgeron, brought in Brian Kelly. Still think a perfect hire. Perfect hire because you just needed somebody to come in and reestablish what is going in. Uh, you, got a, you got a great coach in Baton Rouge now. So, you know, we'll see what all goes on at the staff, coaching staff. Staff is, is, staff is fully hired. Yep. And um, uh, a player that LSU doesn't want won't leave the state. That's interesting. A player that LSU doesn't want won't leave the state. Who I don't is know if that? I said that right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, going forward. Oh, oh, zero oh, players. Oh, 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 oh. If LSU wants a kid, he's going to LSU. If yes. you're from Louisiana and you want to play at LSU and they want you, you're going there and you're not leaving. Bottom line. Yeah, I, zero, I tend to agree. Zero kids are getting out of the state that LSU doesn't want. Oh, yeah. That bring, LSU wants. Sorry, I, back I, Frank Wilson. Way too many negatives in that, and I got confused. <laughs> I, I see what you. I see what you were trying to say. Uh, Frank Wilson being hired on as the recording uh, recruiting coordinator was just perfect. Well, it's not perfect just him. I mean, the oh, entire no, staff everything. is nothing but Louisiana guys. Yeah, it, it they was, took they took a guy from Boston, and everyone said he can't win in the South. And all he did was do what he always does: hires great, great staff. Agreed. And then Florida brought in Billy Napier. From uh, Louisiana, you know, Louisiana Lafayette. And it, that one was an interesting one because it was completely different than the way that LSU went about their hire. And I think can still work, but... Well, the ADs that run these two programs are completely different. Completely people. different. Completely, completely different. different. It, it's, it, does it... I, I don't know that it's better or worse, right? Uh, I think it's just different ways of going about it. Um, well... The problem is, is Florida's notoriously been cheap their entire life. That's that's what I was about like, to get at. To be to be a big boy in the SEC now, you got to start paying like a big boy. When you know when Ole Miss is doubling up the salary of your coach, that at some point in time you got to say, how long are you going to be able to keep great coaches in Florida and attract great people in Florida? And don't get me wrong, I understand Florida. They were last. They were dead last to the table in the SEC outside of Vanderbilt for uh, facilities and yeah. and thinking those things were important. I think Billy Napier is a great coach. I also think if you're not willing to break open the checkbook and sign somebody to seven to nine million dollars because that's what great coaches are going for now, then you know at some point in time he's just going. Florida's going to be a yeah. stepping stone program. Right. When you said break open the checkbook, it's it's not even so much paying Billy Napier. It's making sure staff. that the staff gets paid and that everything that you need at the school gets taken care of, right? Yes. Georgia just won a national championship. Georgia's recruiting budget is a million dollars more than the next highest in the SEC, and that's Alabama. Like, that you got to have great players. you got to be able to do all these different things. And Billy Napier could have success. That's right. But I think Billy Napier is a great coach. I think Billy Napier is going to be good. I also think that Florida brings on its own a lot of problems. How great could Florida have been over the last decade if they just used all that football TV money that they've been getting? Agreed. What are they doing with it? 
you got, I guess, working on on other stuff at the school, like like other. Well, they programs? are paying like seven coaches at one time all the time. Yeah, because they yeah. can't hit on a coaching hire. <laughs> well, you know, at, at some point in time, fire the athletic director because he's got a hit on a coach. Yeah, yeah. Strickland uh, bringing in like obviously his first head coaching hire was uh, at least in uh, football was uh, Dan Mullen, and right. Dan Mullen was incredibly successful at Mississippi State when he worked with Scott Strickland. Florida is a different beast. Sure. It just is. You know, and and we'll see what ends up going forward. He hasn't had to make a basketball coaching hire. He's only been there, you know, a short while. Uh, but, I mean, Mike White's not exactly tearing it up in basketball. So, we'll see. Now, at gymnastics, all, you, we can start going through sport by sport. Like, Florida's still in, in good shape. But, That's fine. That's not why the athletic director's paid. Right. They're not there. Don't for, hire an athletic director to hire the gymnastics coach. Agreed. You just don't. Stanford doesn't hire an athletic director to hire a swim coach, even it, though they're the best in the world at swim. That right. no, no, no. That's not why you hire the AD. Exactly. Because Football, they're two sports that they're two basketball. sports that make yep. you money. And you hire them to make and run the two things that make you money so you can do the other things. Agreed. There's there's two main revenue sports. It's those two: football and basketball. They are the front porch of your. And baseball is getting up there, and Florida's kind of going backwards in that. They used yes. to be awesome at baseball, and okay. the rest of the SEC is pat is la- Some of them are lapping them, and the rest of them just passing them. No, you're right about that. You were right about that. Is there anything else that uh, that we need to bring up for the SEC rewind? No, let's get out of here. Let's do it. All right, you guys have been fantastic. We certainly appreciate everybody that's watching. If you haven't already liked the video for us, make sure that you are subscribed everywhere that you need to be subscribed. And Chris, this is fun. This is nice on a on a Martin Luther King Jr. holiday to go on and knock this thing out. Everybody, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully, hopefully, all of you tickets cash this week. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at Gary WCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us.